I'd like to have us enter into the spirit of worship this morning with these words. These words are actually a mission statement for many of our sibling Unitarian Universalist congregations and are in fact the covenant of the first UU congregation I ever attended. They are by J. Abernathy. We affirm that love is our greatest purpose. Accepting one another is the truest form of faithful living. The search for truth is our constant star. We pledge our hearts, minds, and hands to challenge injustice with courage, to find hope in times of fear and to live out our Unitarian Universalist values every day as a beloved community. Thus do we covenant with each other and with all that is sacred in life. Isn't that beautiful? Dear ones, the reading I'd like to share before I share my message with you is one that's going to invite your participation. So when you hear it coming, I want us all to say together, we travel this road together. Shall we rehearse? We travel this road together. From the busyness of every day, we gather once a week to remember who we are, to dream of who we might become. We travel this road together. As companions on this journey, we share the milestones we meet along the way. Individual moments of joy and sorrow become shared moments of comfort and celebration. We travel this road together. We share this journey across differences of belief and opinion because we value diversity and because we care for one another. We travel this road together. Today, as we take the next steps, let us notice our fellow travelers, the burdens that they carry, the songs that inspire their hearts. We travel this road together. As we gather in beloved community, let us open the holy havens of our hearts. Let us share the sacred places of our souls, for we are pilgrims who share a common path. We travel this road together. In the year 1568, 451 years ago, we missed the big celebration last year. John Sigismund of what is now Hungary signed into law the Edict of Torda, the first resolution of religious tolerance in the West, maybe anywhere. He signed this resolution because he had a vision, and I'll tell you how he came to it, he had a vision of a world in which Muslims, Jews, and Christians could not only live side by side, but pursue truth side by side, 
be with one another and love one another and yet hold a difference in religious belief. He had two important advisors in his court, both of them today we would call Unitarian. In that incredibly tumultuous time of the early Protestant Reformation, which engendered so much death and so much violence. There were many sects that splintered off, and I won't go into all the history, although sometime we can talk about it because it's really interesting, but there was a, a kind of radical part of that Reformation. There were people who began to dare to believe really, and what we call today beloved community. There was Michael Servetus who came from Spain and traveled around Europe preaching this dangerous message of Unitarianism, who was eventually burned at the stake by John Calvin in Geneva. There were two advisors, as I mentioned, to King Sigismund, his physician, and another legal advisor. Both of them held these radical religious beliefs. They discussed, <laughs> and this is Unitarian, they discussed it for 10 years. <laughs> I just have to tell you, I ain't gonna live that long, so don't do that at home. But, but then they signed it into, into law. Now he did this also not just because there was this community, there was this seed of, the com of a community that said we are better than this, but also because in that part of the world there had in fact been Muslim, Jewish, and Christian communities interacting interweaving with one another, learning from one another. Now that's not the only time that's happened. It happened in the south of Spain for hundreds of years. But it's worth remembering, today in a day when we are practicing Muslim bans and moving ever more quickly as a society toward the most fundamentalist views of Christianity. It is worth remembering that you and I are here today because that edict was signed 451 years ago. I mean, and I'm not joking and I'm not being hyperbolic. That's the truth. That's why we are here today. Because we have ancestors in faith who had the courage to plant those seeds. Some of them had the courage to give their lives for what we have here today. Joanne, it breaks my heart to know that people are hiding Mrs. Obama's book. But what if we weren't here? There are two questions that I'd like us to reflect on together this morning. One question you'll hear me repeat 
what if we weren't here? And the other question is, if it is and it is our turn to plant seeds now, so that people 451 years from now can have the same freedom, can have the same belief that we have today. What seeds do we need to plant together today? In our Lunch Bunch group this week, we were talking about Mrs. Obama's book, and the garden she planted at the White House. And there was some question about what happened to the garden. So lunch bunchers, I have a news update, because I was curious. Oh, Mrs. Obama, I think understanding that some things need to be taken care of, put concrete and steel in her garden so that it would be very, very difficult to root up. <laughs> She and her faithful sidekick, Barack, also left an endowment so that the trust for public land would continue to maintain that garden. You might remember when she planted that in 2009, how she ran into opposition from agribusiness and the, the big food industry. You see, you can't grow Doritos in a garden. But she did it anyway. And they served fruits and vegetables from that garden at all dinners at the White House during those, during those years. And generations of school children came and got their hands dirty and learned what it's like to grow nourishing, delicious, fresh food. And she said, and I want to find the exact quote because it is so beautiful, this garden has taught us that if we have the courage to plant a seed, we never know what we might grow. And I think about that as I think about us. We know what we want to grow. I know that we know what we want to grow. We want to grow tolerance. We want to grow justice. We want to grow freedom. We want to grow compassion and welcoming. We want to grow hope and faith, not necessarily faith in a the religious deity, but faith in humanity and faith in our future. We want to grow tenderness for our planet and tenderness in human relations. Sometimes we can get stuck in what we're against or what we don't like or what makes us angry. But it's so much more powerful to be clear about what it is that we want to nurture. So I want to talk to you this morning about what we want to nurture. And I want to spark your imaginations 
And also, quite frankly, I want to spark your pride. Because as easy as it is to say, oh, I can't stand it when, all of us can fill in that blank, right? Sometimes it's easy, too easy to stay there. So I want to talk with you about what we want to continue to nurture. Because seeds were planted here decades ago. And seeds have been planted over and over again. When Mike and I bought our house, see, this is how hapless we are. We didn't even realize how big the backyard was. <laughs> we like, we looked out and went, oh, wow. <laughs> there was stuff hidden behind the hedge we hadn't looked at. So that tells you something about us. Last spring, as I took my first long springtime walks around this building. And I saw, really saw the memorial garden in springtime. And I saw how beautifully tended this property is. We had one of our Soul Matters Sharing Circle meetings out there and watched the sunset through the trees. I could tell the seeds that have been planted and tended here. I want us, and our leadership wants us, to bring the position of Director of Religious Education to full time. Our religious education and our religious community merits that. This congregation is unusual in our denomination. It's actually unusual in many so-called liberal denominations for the vibrancy of its religious education program, with, which, by the way, today includes a wide and incredibly rich selection of offerings for adults as well. It's one of the things you all said to me when I first got here. Religious education is the crown jewel of Unitarian Universalism. Our materials are known throughout and are used by many other denominations that don't necessarily share our religious beliefs, but know good stuff when they see it. There is no limit to what we can do if we, if we make, just as you brought up, the Harford County Public Schools, the energy, the commitment, and the time that our program deserves is in your hands. Over the last year, our new uh, finance committee, which includes members who have been committed and skilled and given of their experience for so many years, and members who are newly come to that committee, they have married their skills and, and experience and set us on a footing and on a, on a path to greater and more transparent financial stability, which is fantastic. Why do we do that? Not because we want to have a lot of money, but because we want to be here in 451 years, or next year, <laughs> or the year after that. 
I remember hearing a, uh, being with one of our top fundraisers in the UUA, and, and she shared something that I want to share with you. Because I know that our latest tax plan has, shall we put it, surprised many of us. I'm sorry about that, not that it's my fault. But I want you to think about what I'm about to say as I did when she shared this with me. As we wrestle this year with where we want to put our resources, where we want to give money, I want you to both think about the fact that your pledge here not only goes to maintain and support the rich activities that happen here, but it goes to support justice in so many forms. It goes to support racial justice. It goes to support immigration justice. It goes to support environmental justice. Our social justice committee wants to move us forward, and I'm wholeheartedly uh, aboard with this, to see if we can become a green sanctuary. What a way to model our values and our beliefs, and by the way, save money. When we give part of our, what we raise to the Unitarian Universalist Association, we are partnering with organizations around the world that help lift up communities. Not because of what they believe, but because of the work they're doing in bettering, bringing our values to life. You are supporting meals for people who do not have a home and who rely on these meals often for nourishment. You're supporting advocacy on behalf of victims of domestic violence. You are supporting a network of Unitarian Universalist congregations in Maryland who are fighting for legislation in our state right now that promote our values. Legislation such as a law that is, I gather, finally made it out of committee to help those of us who choose to end our lives with dignity. Legislation that would make it illegal to profile people on the suspicion of them being undocumented immigrants. This mighty, not so small congregation has impact in many different ways. And I haven't even, you know, talked about retreats and, and pro I mean, I obviously could go on forever. What if we weren't here? This week, our siblings in the United Methodist <coughs> Church voted not only to continue to deny marriage equality to LGBTQIA individuals, but to continue to deny ordination to LGBTQIA individuals, causing direct pain to millions of individuals. Do you remember during the RE service a few weeks ago when one of the young people, and I repeat it because it was said from here, said, I realized I don't, I don't need 
the support group in my high school because I have it here. Because I can be, remember that? I can be who I am here. LGBTQIA youth attempt suicide multiple times more often if they are in a home that does not affirm them religiously. So dear ones, I welcome ongoing conversation. I welcome, I encourage us to continue talking about what excites us about the future, what excites us about what we can do together and who we want to be as we continue to build relationships and understand the impact that we can have. Do you know the only ministers who did what what I did in Tijuana were Unitarian Universalist ministers? The president of our association a few years ago, Peter Morales, said, we punch above our weight class. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in love with those kinds of metaphors, but he's right. (laughs) So my beloved, let me close with this. We have three choices with with this garden that we are. We can let it choke with weeds and let it go. We can work very hard to maintain it in its current beauty until the nutrients run out in the soil and perennial plants die or we can plant new seeds. And we can be willing to try new things and let the spinach grow next to the coneflowers and continue to hold in our hearts this vision that what we're here for is life-saving. Ashe, blessed be, and amen.